All right, going to give a little pause, a little longer pause after the one, so I have a little more time this week. Cool. Three, two, one. Welcome to March to the Pod, currently the only podcast designed to exclusively talk about the Sam Houston Bearcats. In this episode, we have an offensive line preview and updates from training camp. What did we learn from Sam Houston's renderings on upgrades to Bauer Stadium? And we're going to take a look at the big weekend, which capped off a big summer for Cats Golf. And uh, I think before we really get into this here, Ben, and we get fully into the introductions, I think exclusively talk about the Sam Houston Bearcats. It's uh, it's going to play a role in this cap- this podcast a little bit, this episode. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. And like you said, exclusively for the Bearcats, the only one that's exclusively for the Bearcats, as, as far as we know, maybe not others. <laughs> this is this. We're going to give you the definition of exclusively. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we'll try to make it as clear as possible. That, that's right. I'm your host, Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Find me on your favorite social media channels at Corey Hogue Sports, all one word, C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E, and then sports. I'm joined by the creator and manager of Sports of SHSU, also one word, on Twitter and Instagram. He's the chief operating officer of the Cat Fund and a proud Bearcat alum, Ben Sorrells. Ben, uh, it's already here again. We have episode number four on this one, and uh, we're just getting closer to the regular season, man. I know. You can almost almost taste it at this point or or touch it. It's, It's close, man. It's... I know uh, some Conference USA games get kicked off, I think, on the 26th in that week zero, and then we're right after. I mean, we're under a month officially now, so it's it's right there, and I'm excited, really excited. Everybody across Texas has started camp now from your, you know, your D1s have been going for about a week now. Your D2s have now joined. Your D3s are joining. Uh, now it, it's really picking up. We're getting into the good time here. Uh, August, and we've got some NFL going too. Don't don't forget about that, man. <laughs> so, I guess you could call it the NFL, that that uh, the Hall of Fame game. Lights going out, showers not working afterwards. It's but it's NFL football, and we'll take it at this point. <laughs> and I know, don't don't hate on me, people, but uh, I I don't have a disdain of Stephen F. Austin, uh, especially since I cover him. It's really good if I don't. And it was nice to see Xavier Gibson out there. Good guy. Uh, I mean, I I know he look. He gave Sam Houston fits <laughs> for a few he, years. He's a ball player. That's he is sure. a ball he's player, a and you have to respect that. And not, he's also a really good person. So I was happy to see him out there getting a big return, getting his name out there. Hopefully, he catches on there. And and uh, Taylor Grimes of UIW has been getting some shout outs out in Denver. So from a non FBS point of view. I'm seeing it pretty well from a Sam Houston point of view as we get in there. This is completely off topic, by the way. Uh, from a Sam Houston point of view, where are we looking at some cats in the pros, Ben? Yeah, first one that comes to mind is uh, Davion Davis. He recently just had a huge year with the USFL team, the Birmingham Stallions, and signed a one-year, $1 million deal with um, – with the the Cardinals. And so that's exciting. He's kind of floated around the league, but I think this might be a sticking point for him. And 
man, I remember a couple of years ago when he was with the Browns in the preseason, I think he had three or four touchdowns and I thought that's where he was going to break through, but it just didn't happen. And so he's one Cody Crest is still in camp with the Packers. Um, so he's a guy to watch for. Um, he might be able to make it as a returner or something like that is great speed. Um, testing scores are off the charts. Um, you've got Tristan McCollum with the Eagles in their camp. And then you've got Zion McCollum um, with the Bucks, fifth round pick for them last year. So some cats in the pros there and uh, some guys to watch for this coming year. That is awesome. And, hey, I've heard good things about Cody Crest up there in Green Bay. I have heard a lot of good words and and some spectacular catches. And if you really want to get on a coach's radar, make a catch that gets talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And he made plenty of those at Sam Houston during what I think was his three years there. And I think he's a guy that can get on the field in the multiple uh, different ways, whether that be special teams, kick return, punt return, receiver, um, had some of the highest testing scores out of anybody in this last draft class coming out of college. And so, um, yeah, I, I think he can make a team and he's bounced around a couple of times um, since he finished. I think he was with the Colts with the Steelers for a little bit. So hopefully he can find a home there with the Packers. Call that a bonus leg people. Cause that's <laughs> not even part of the show today. Uh, technically it wasn't on script. Call that a bonus leg Ben, come through yep. clutch with when Corey <laughs> just throws random stuff on there. Isn't that great? I'm ready. I'm ready to talk whatever it is when it comes to the cats. That you are. And for those of you who don't know, we are a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on the various social media forms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. And when when we're talking about where you can find our podcast, Ben, you and I have been learning a little bit about that this last week. It is on any plat i'm gonna say close to any platform you can think of it's it's on your major ones and then it's on some of those like megaphone and and some of those too Podbean, yeah it's almost hard not to find us (laughs) yeah you have to try to not find us yeah i mean it's tough i mean we'll we'll see we're also on youtube hi hi youtube people watching it is uh great to have you along again Ben, we're we're gonna before we get into our three legs this week, which we've already given a bonus leg, and now we're gonna give a little more bonus. An update on our rivalry with Louisiana Tech. Basically, uh, they haven't responded yet, and um, you know I, I'm feeling like they're gonna need to, but I think they will soon. I feel like something's coming up that Ben's gonna go lay down. He's gonna throw some bows. Yeah. And uh, and I think I think we're going to find out who our rivals are pretty soon. Yeah, going to push the envelope going on the Louisiana Tech, Go Tech, Please Don't Die podcast tomorrow, the 9th. Um, not sure when they'll release it, but yeah, going to lay down the hammer, let them know we're here. This is our conference. They're a thing of the past, and we're the shiny new object, and we're ready to win some games. So yeah, well, I'm ready to go at it tomorrow night with the guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be fun, and, and definitely something that uh, – yeah, look, we're getting a lot of interest, too, from the other podcasts around Conference USA and, and the other ones here. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be some fun banter back and forth. Speaking of fun banter back and forth, had a little bit of that with Ben Big Game Boomer uh, the other day. This Yesterday, they put out the best college football podcast for every school. Ben, I know we've only been around for a few weeks, but remember the word exclusively? Yeah. How do we not get put on that, man? He must not have been paying it. He had to have been busy. 
Uh, just like the guys that don't know that Sam Houston is redshirted, 15 to 20 of their guys don't do their research. Um, just like Big Game Boomer didn't do his research. Um, just another national media pundit uh, not doing their job. No, I'm kidding. But I, it is a little frustrating, but we'll, we'll get there. Only been around a couple of weeks. We are the only exclusive podcast talking Sam Houston athletics and Sam Houston football. And uh, we'll continue to get our name out there um, as we go along. But yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. That's for sure. The Group of Five podcast is apparently the one to follow if you're a St. Houston fan. <laughs> and look, I have nothing against the Group of Five right. podcast. Uh, I've personally never listened to it, but I don't have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. You know, I've been a little busy this week. For those who don't know, uh, Ben, I've got uh, I've been at jury duty. That's about all I can tell you right now. And uh, so <laughs> I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been at jury duty. So this week has been... Uh, a lot of fun, but I do appreciate the fact that you came in there and give the little dig, you know, at the national media. I like that, man. That's why we have you here. You can, you're going to express some of the, the cat fans, um, disdain for some of these people. You look, you don't even do your research on us before you speak. Uh, that's just the way it is. We're moving up and people just don't want to do their research, whether that be, knowing who's the only exclusive podcast or knowing that we redshirted 15 to 20 guys last year or picking us last in the preseason poll or whatever it might be. We're out to prove some people wrong and let them know who we are. And that includes this podcast. We're out yeah. to prove you wrong. We are the place for Sam Houston Bearcats, the only place. And we, we have verified that for now. We are exclusively the only one. Ben, before we move into our first leg, I, I want to say – we have had some people talking. We, we have got some talks going for us, for people who would like to be either a presenting sponsor or sponsor one of the three legs that we have of the podcast every week. If you are interested in that, please contact one of us. Either drop me, either get a hold of me, or if you know Ben, go in there, get a hold of us on DMs on Twitter. You can email me at Corey.hogue at texasfootball.com. And that's C-O-R-Y dot H-O-G-U-E at texasfootball.com. We're willing to talk to anyone who wants to be a part of supporting the Cats and getting the word out there. And uh, really excited, really happy with the um, reception that we've received, Ben. Uh, I feel like we've been welcomed with open arms, and that's always a good feeling when, when you're welcomed by the fan base like that. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it. I think it was last week, kind of the reception we got through the first few weeks, and it's just continuing to grow. So, yeah, anyone interested in sponsorships, we'd love to engage there, engage on social media, and hopefully just continue to grow from here. Like we've said, this is, this is just the start. I think this is episode just four, so we're a month in and got a long way to go. Only way to go is up. That's right. I <laughs> I provide my own little titles at the top of episodes. I do not do the titles you will find out on when you're looking at the podcast. But my personal title this week is how do people not know about us? I mean, we're here. It's episode four guys. Like seriously, where you been under a rock? Uh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> hey, yeah. Ben's been out at the, he's not been under a rock. He's been out at football practice and uh, dropped a, an O-line preview, dropped some knowledge on us in week one. And that knowledge, Ben, um, that is actually some very good verified knowledge from what I hear. 
Yeah, dropped a little O-line preview last week and then had the chance to swing by practice on uh, on Saturday, which was day four of camp, and just got to kind of confirm some of the stuff I wrote down. And just looking at the O-line this year, and, and I think the, the starting group is pretty much solidified outside of any drastic changes or any injuries that come up in these le- these next couple of weeks leading up to BYU. And so just a little look at it. I mean, at center, Seth Colchin, not Seth Colchin, he'll be your backup. Um, he's been on the team a couple of years now, played towards the end of last year. Ethan Hagler is going to start at center. He was your center for the national title team. Um, right guard is going to be James Gaughan, um, guy who had a really, really impressive freshman year last season. Got to see a lot of action. I'm excited about him. Right tackle, you'll see Diari Patton. Um, he's a guy that started nine games for the national championship team. Um, played a good amount last year, was really good when he played. So he'll be there at that right tackle spot. Left guard is going to be Markendrick Bial. He's a guy that uh, was at Tyler Junior College last year and um, went to Troy in the in the spring. Was actually their starting guard during spring, but he ended up transferring back closer to home, and so he should be your starting left guard. And then at left tackle, left tackle, you're looking at Grayson Jackson Smith, um, another guy from Tyler um, Junior College transfer. Had a really good spring at left tackle. Um, had a bunch of FCS offers and some FBS offers, and so. Um, a very new offensive line this year, a lot of new faces. Um, O-line was a spot that the team struggled in last year. So I think bringing in these new guys, bringing back um, Ethan Hagler again from that national title team along with Diari Patton, I think this O-line could be something special and it's going to be really important to the success of this team. That O-line, I mean, name-wise? And, and this is where I actually can provide a little bit of knowledge uh, to the the people who listen to this podcast when you're talking those guards and tackles at Tyler Junior College, I watched Tyler last year, and the one part that stood out to me that I was most impressed with was their guards and tackles. Their offensive line was incredible, and especially their left guard and left tackle. So if those two are now in Sam Houston, you I, you add them with Hagler, who we remember, and Patton, again, he was great that year. He was yep off the charts great during that championship run and so was Hagler. I, I i'm with you man i think we've got the solid makings here of an offensive line that um as long as they stay healthy could uh could provide some some good moments for us this year yeah and, and it's coming off a year where there was a lot of turnover and it was really a struggle honestly for the most part you lose guys like Elias Anderson, um, who went to Western Michigan and started there. You lose a Prince Pines, who was a first-team um, uh, offensive lineman at Tulane last year, was really good. You lose Colby Thomas, who's played in the USFL and the XFL, I believe. And so you lost those three staples, and then you registered at Ethan Hagler. Um, you knew it was going to be a down year. But you bring back Patton. Um, who saw some good action last year and looked good again. You bring back Hagler. You bring in some really nice pieces from the portal. Um, and I think it's got the potential to be to be a good line. They've got to gel. Um, they've got to figure out how to work together. But I think they're in a much better spot than they were a year ago. And uh, I think a lot of the success of this team is going to depend on it, and it's going to be interesting to see. One thing I find interesting is I talk to coaches around the the state of Texas, and we talk a lot about O-line play because O-line and D-line are where most of your football games are technically won. If you can't block someone, 
or they can't block you. It's, it's hard to either move the ball and score, you know, it's also hard to stop you on the other side. So those two parts are definitely to me, the biggest keys. And when I talk about them every year, I hear coaches, you know, we got a couple to replace. We got to get the communication. Unless you return all five guys every single year, which is very rare at any level of football, every team is going through the same uh, issues right now along their offensive line. Yeah, and, and Sam Houston is, is right there. And, and to add to it, they've got a new offensive line coach. Uh, coach Bassett left about a week before uh, spring ball to, to go to Utah State and bring in Brian Natkin, who was most recently with the Arizona Cardinals, um, also has some experience, I co- believe, coaching at UTEP. And so bringing a new coach, uh, bringing three or four new starters, I think it's really about how they gel. I think the talent's there. It's just a matter of how it all comes together. And we saw last year with bad offensive line play, you're not going to score a lot of points. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be critical to success and one of the biggest keys of the season. Yeah, we also saw the uh... – that it affects an offensive coordinator too when you can't when you don't get the O line. I mean, that's where it starts, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Offensive line had a lot of turnover. That was part of it. I know. Um, yeah, we'll we'll move on from John. Yes, Perry no. I mean, look, here. there were there other issues, of course, yeah, right? That's yeah, that not was the only part one. But that also does not help. That's not a good start. So if 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 they could come in and get that line going here to start early or within the first couple of weeks of the season, it, it will bring good things again. As long as they stay healthy, Ben, my one concern this year, just about every position is quality depth. I don't want to hear numbers. We all have depth. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my concern is quality depth. Yeah. And I think, I think the spot on the, I think there is a little bit of depth there that they feel confident in at the guard spot. You've got Willie, William McCollum, who's six four, three fifty, another Juco transfer with a lot of experience at guard. You've got Khalil Miller, who uh, was an all-conference player at Davidson, um, another guy that could slot in at guard. You bring in Rhett Larson, a, a SMU transfer at tackle. Seth Colshin's seen a lot of time at center, uh, especially last year. And so kind of some unproven guys, but with a lot of high upside, maybe some younger guys or Juco guys. But um, I think there's pieces behind them. But obviously, you you want to rely on your top guys and hopefully not have to dip into your depth as much as you, as much as you can, you know. Well, of course, that's the goal. But we also know this is football and, yeah. uh, you know, injuries and, and things are going to happen, whether it's even just for a play or a series during a game. Those things, they are going to happen. It is a physical game. So and that's the one thing you'll hear this a lot for me. Quality depth is the one thing that will be hard to find for Sam Houston for the for, for the next few years, uh, yeah. because that that's takes time to develop. Uh, but they're on the right path, and that's what's important. You got some other updates from uh, training camp, including a couple scrimmages coming up, and are those things that people can get out there and watch? Yeah, so not that I know of. They are everything is close to the public, uh, just media only at this point. But, yeah, scrimmages, full team scrimmages, August 12th and August 19th. Um, so Saturday, this coming Saturday, then the following Saturday, and that's, Two of the really only days the team goes live. A lot of people don't know, but Casey Peeler teams don't hit a ton um, in the off season. They only go live probably three, four, five times throughout all of uh, all of training camp as far as full pads and 
full contact. And um, I know he's talked about that before. So it'll be really interesting to kind of see what comes about it. I know a lot, uh, a lot of eyes will be on the quarterback position. That's still up for grabs. Um, I've heard that the team would probably like to make a decision on the starter after that second scrimmage or shortly after that second scrimmage. Um, so yeah, a, a big week, week and a half coming up with these two scrimmages. And I think we'll learn a lot about these teams. Hey, Coach Keeler, get your phone ready right around the 20th, 21st, and we'll start texting you just randomly <laughs> about quarterbacks, Coach. That's <laughs> yeah, what's that's yeah, that's that's that second all team scrimmage. And so, uh, yeah, nothing for sure. But I've heard that's kind of a timeline they're looking at. I think we might know more after this first scrimmage. But yeah, I think we can expect to probably see a guy named shortly after that second scrimmage on the 19th or probably sometime that week. Well, do you have any other player updates uh, from that you've seen out there and especially updates again, injuries, man, we got to be on that front all year long. Yeah, team is still looking looking relatively healthy, looking pretty good. I mean, everybody at practice when I was on when I was there Saturday was a full participant or almost fully participated, which which is a really good sign. Um, some player updates, some guys that continue to stand out. Quavez Humphreys continues to just look incredible um, in training camp, and I think he's going to be a stud at the wide receiver position. Six three runs a four four forty. Um, the guy is just a freak. And then a guy that's not getting a lot of respect, I think, by a lot of people is Markel Perry. Um, and we've seen what he can do. His last two seasons, he was fully healthy. I think he put up 15-plus tackles for loss. Um, only played one game last year against AM, Had like seven tackles and three tackles for loss. And so a lot of people will look at Trevor Williams and KV and Gaither and uh, rightfully so, but can't forget about Markel Perry. And man, he he's an animal there in that jack role playing D-line and linebackers. So those are that, two guys that have my eye. That's one of those, the Markel Perry. I don't I don't blame national media for not investigating and looking at the red shirt. I don't blame the fans. I mean, it's an out of sight, out of mind thing. Like you said, when he plays, man, he is dominant. And we I think the fans, I think everyone remembers that. We just, it's COVID, man. We don't know what the eligibility is of these guys. So it's hard to say, oh, Markel's back because no one really knows. He's been there a while. The like, oh. roster. Yeah, you're like, oh, he's back. Let's go. Yeah, because he's, he's, been, he's been around for a while. And like I said, the one game he played last year, I think he had seven tackles and three tackles for loss against A&M. And he's, he's just an animal, man. Yes. I mean, and not a lot of people remember him. And when you combine him with uh, KV and Gaither, with Trevor Williams, and another guy people forget about, Sincere Jackson, who I believe led the team in tackles against A&M last year in the one game he played. Um, he's looking really good, too. I mean, that front seven, it's its dangerous, and it, it's going to have to carry this team at times this year. You know, the well, and that's a good place to need to be carrying it from, is the front mm -hmm. seven. Uh, man, this is uh, – you there are a lot of people who remember Markel Perry. And uh, yep. some, and and they're called the opposing offensive lineman that went against him. He is he is hard to stop. It's gonna be fun watching him again this year. Uh, did you have any other updates, or was that that where we were on that? Yeah, that's that's kind of where we are. Um, yeah, and the the practice I was at, there was a heavy emphasis on on special teams. So uh, yeah, we can talk about special teams. I know Colby Sessoms, the Lamar transfer has has looked really good um so i think he's a guy that might be the leader in the clubhouse 
um, for that kicking position, but it's still an open competition with him, Christian Pavon, um, and Caden Lorick also. So, um, yeah, that's another position to to keep an eye on. Punter spot is locked down by Jaden Cardell, but keep an eye on that kicker spot as it's still a fluid situation. That's awesome. Hey Ben, you know uh, you know where people could have seen that OL preview at? Uh, Cat Fun, maybe. Yep, over on CatFans.com. That's right. If you're a member of the Cat Fund, then you get access onto exclusive content on catfans.com in the message boards, and you will get that preview first. You also get a whole lot of good nuggets first over there. If you want to know recruiting news, if you're mm-hmm. always wondering what's going on, man, Ben's got you covered. The Cat Fund has you covered. Cat fans have you covered. Yep. Ben, and, and again, we talk about this every week. You're going to hear it probably every week. It's very important to mention that every dollar of the membership, of your membership on Cat Fund goes to the players. Yep, absolutely. And, and speaking of recruiting news, we did just drop Sam Houston's latest commitment um, that hasn't been announced just yet. Um, a local a local linebacker choosing to, to, to stay close to home. So information like that, if you want to hear about it, yeah, sign up uh, uh, for Cat Fun and you'll get that information on catfans.com. Yeah, and that is just cat-fund.net, I believe, correct? Com. Dot com. Yeah. Okay. Some of them are nets. Some of them are comms. And uh, I can't. I can't yeah, it's calm. I had to check. I, I had to double check you. You were scaring me for a second. <laughs> hey, leave it. Man, my brain is fried from the last couple of days. That's all I I'm going to tell you, dude. It is fried right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, in case you missed it last week, Ben and cat fund and cat fans exclusive content they were the first ones that that showed the renderings and the inside looks of bauer stadium with the press box and the pavilions and um my initial impression ben is it looks like and now mind you i look i get it people don't be mad at me I just don't care about the pavilions because I'm not going to be in. <laughs> okay. But when it comes to fan engagement, I you should care. And we are going to talk about that. I bet Ben cares. But what <laughs> I want to look at is that press box, man. <laughs> and I looked at that and I, I, I see, I see some things that I think, I think they're doing it right. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I had a chance to actually get a look at these a couple of months back and I, I was really impressed. And then they were shown off at the scoreboards and sneakers event that was going on last week. And we got a chance to look at them and, and see them again. And then, uh, yeah, we uploaded some of them in the cat fun page. Once we realized that the heritage magazine had them as well, the Sam Houston magazine. Um, but yeah, we got on it as, as quick as we could. And, uh, yeah, got it. Finally, got a look at them. Everybody did now, and I I'm impressed. Like you said, the fan pavilions. I think they need to be shaded. I think that's my kind of big thing with them. Got to be shaded. But yeah, press box. Are they impression. not? Renderings don't really show it. There's, no, there's they a don't. Of, yeah. Holy moly! I thought that was an umbrella. Now I just yeah. clicked it because honestly, man, like I looked at that, I was like, okay, that's a field. No, really, that's supposed to be the pavilion, and there's no shade. Yeah, so there is a pavilion one there right now that's shaded, which is good. But yeah, got to get some shade there. But yeah, I really like the press box renderings. Um, 
and just a couple of different things. So from the, the outside view, you can see there's kind of four tiers to it, um, four different levels. And then when you look at the field level, looking up at the press box and the stands, you'll see kind of the stands that are there now. There's some club suite, club seating, and then there's a suite area, about 10 to 12 suites. And then there's a, a much bigger press box spot than there, there currently is. So I think it gets everything you need. Um, I think it pushes the attendance up a little bit. Uh, putting those club seats in, putting the suites in, adding about 500 pavilion seats should add probably two or 3,000 seats, I would think. But yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. And I think it's a matter of just getting things rolling now. It's when are we breaking ground? What does this timeline look like? And uh, we've seen the renderings and now it's time to to put a shovel in the ground and and figure it out when we're, when we're going to build this thing. <laughs> is it just me or is this press box covering more of the stands than it, it used to because it seems like this one this one's going all the way down to like the last rows yeah it, it is and I, they needed additional space they needed additional levels needed additional seating and i think that's the reason why they have to do a complete teardown is because they couldn't really build to the existing structure because of ada stuff but also how much you had to add to it also with how far out you want to go with it bringing it down to almost like the 10 yard line on each side um, so yeah, complete teardown, and I think it's going to add seating from left to right. Um, you'll add seating in the club section, suite section, pavilions, and yeah, I think it'll get you close to that kind of 15,000 number everybody's looking at. Okay, so now if we had one thing to say moving forward, we need to see, because you're not going to get people to buy to be at the pavilion if they don't have, if they're not out of the elements at least part whether they have some sort of a shade or something like that, it is necessary if you're going to ask people to, you know, to be in a, a kind of more of an exclusive area. Yeah. And and like I said, there is that one fan pavilion that is at Bowers currently and it's shaded and it's been a huge hit. And I think partly because it is shaded and it's so hot for the first two or three months of the season. And so I think if you can get those shaded, it could be a really fun area. And they've talked about putting them on both sides of the stadium for the students and um, for the fans. And so, yeah, getting shade in there, I think is absolutely necessary and something you have to do if you want to get people to, to sign up for those pavilion spots. And maybe the renderings are just a little off, but I think, I think they got to have it. You're going to absolutely uh, love what I'm about to do. Cause I'm about to take us off script again is coach Keeler, a believer of the morning practices to stay out of the heat, or is he a believer in we're going to practice in what we play in because that's how you acclimate to that. Yeah, so at least for this year, I know the team has actually bumped up practices in the morning a little bit. They started even at 7.30, 7.45 um, this last Saturday. And so I think at least for this year, it's a morning thing. And you start off playing at BYU, and then you play indoors at Air Force, and then you finally have an outdoor game um, against Houston. And so your first couple of games, first couple of weeks are all going to be in a relatively climate controlled area at BYU in the summer, that should be pretty nice inside energy. And then another thing I've heard the team talk about, and I don't know if they've done this yet, but um, Sam Houston hasn't played a ton of night games the past couple of years. I mean, I can think of Montana state, maybe one or two last year, but they've talked about practicing at night just to get used to catching the ball under the light, throwing the ball under the light. Cause it's a little different than just broad daylight. It's a little different under the lights. And so um, I think they're, yeah, I think they're believable in the morning practices and we'll see if they mix in some, uh, some, some night practices also. You mentioned that and it, it is uh, 
I, I think sometimes we don't realize you go to a Friday night game, it looks like the field is lit up, but that is not a lot of lights on there. And it's I'm not saying Bowers is a high school field. I'm saying that the lighting that you need for that is not is not enough. There are shadows. There are other yeah. things to think about. There are, you know, some the sun going down. That's that's been a big issue for the Cowboys at the yeah. really bad times, man. Yeah. And so you've got to think about those things. And so, yeah, I think that's important uh, for them to get out there under those lights because it's there's going to be it's not NRG, man. NRG is illuminated. NFL mm-hmm. stadiums are illuminated. Not always at some of these colleges and whenever you Bowers may be fine. When you go somewhere else, it may not be. So I think I think that's an important part get in as far as getting used to night games. Yeah, and the team doesn't have a lot of experience. I wouldn't they've got some experience. I mean, Montana State a couple of years ago, they played Tarleton in East Carolina, I believe, on the road at night. Um, but night games at Bowers, I can't I think they played Northern Arizona this last year. Um, not a ton of them, and there's gonna be a lot coming up this year especially with these midweek night games and um yeah just you just got to take everything into consideration and that's something Keeler I believe will take into consideration and uh, yeah I mean he's thinking about everything he's a mastermind he's a strategist that's what he does oh he's every detail that, that's that's him he he does not miss a minute detail okay so we we learned and we we what we learned is about what we expected and what we had kind of hoped for outside of we need some shade over at the pavilions. <laughs> so what does this mean now for uh, for everyone looking forward to all this stuff? Uh, you know, how is that timeline? And is it is there any chance that timeline gets moved up or pushed back? Yeah, so we haven't really heard too much on the timeline. I think the only thing that we can kind of use as a frame of reference is um, the school is set to receive $40 million, um, in Texas State University system bonds at some point in 2024. And so you would imagine that they probably get those bonds. Who knows? But it's probably going to be there to where renovations have to start after the 2024 season would be my guess. Um, I feel like it's too quick of a thing to kind of try and scramble to find venues when you're just a year away from 2024 that's a little too much and so I envision a start after 2024 um, and it's going to take one to two years I mean it could take all of 2025 and all of 2026 um, so I would say 26 or 27 is when we see this thing fully put up um, just because it's going to take a little over a year to break ground and then it's going to take a year or two for us to build this thing and so that's kind of my timeline for it we haven't seen anything set in stone but that's kind of what i would envision okay now you're going to lead me to a question that you may not be able to answer okay we'll see if they're playing games while the renovation is going on have they come up with a plan for what they're going to do for the coaches boxes in the media well or for stats more than media the things they have to have have they come up with a plan for that yeah so no plan set in stone but bobby williams did mention this in a uh, conference usa press conference i believe that the the weekend that we did officially transfer over to conference usa and he said that they've had talks about where they might have to play for a year or two because with those kind of large-scale renovations you're almost completely tearing down one side of the stadium, you're not going to be able to play games there really under any circumstance. And so um, do you go play a whole season at NRG? Do you play at NRG, Rice, U of H, and where the Dynamo play? 
where, uh, so, I mean, you're just going to have to get creative, maybe a game at a high school stadium as much as we don't want it. I mean, you just don't know what it's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be a playable playing surface for a year or two while those renovations are going on. Um, you've got half of the stadium toured down in a, in a massive construction site. You're not going to be able to play football there. So it's going to be interesting. And I think we are going to have at least one year of home games being scattered at NRG, Houston, Rice, Bell Stadium, where the Dynamo plays. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and then you got to think, even if they were to try to play it there, the parking around all the scaffolding and everything else that would go on there, it would be, nobody wants that, man. Not about not, not safe. No, you, you know, it. I love the hill. I love all that, you know, the view walking up there. But we, yeah, we need to find something else. And I'm sure they're going to work on that. And that is something that uh, Bobby Williams and company is definitely thinking about and will be moving on. Uh, ben, again, for those who might be interested, if you want to be a part of this podcast, sponsor one of the legs we've had. We have three each show. If you want to be a presenting sponsor, more than happy to say we're March to the pod presented by and give your business. Uh, if you are interested, please reach out to us again. You can hit any of us on our social media channels in our our inboxes and DMs, or you can also email me at corey.hogue at texasfootball.com, C-O-R-Y dot H-O-G-U-E at texasfootball.com. Ben, you want to talk about good things going on in Huntsville. Maybe these things aren't exactly in Huntsville, but there's a lot of orange doing a lot of great things. And, and I want to start with the Met amateur champion for the year in 2023, Ben. That is, uh, that's a heck of an honor and a heck of a place to start right there. Yeah. And Josh Derman taking home that title this weekend. And yeah, we just really wanted to show some love to golf and golf is a program. Not everybody knows about, but for someone that covers all the teams really closely, golf might be the most successful program um, on campus over the last decade or so. And the work that Brent Kieschnick and Jenna Young have done there um, has just been incredible. I mean, the men's golf team finishing ninth nationally two years ago. You have guys like Josh winning these big tournaments. Um, in the offseason, you see guys like Will Holcomb on the Corn Ferry Tour and uh, guys like Brett Gray winning Conference Player of the Year. And so, yeah, just really want to shine a light um, on these guys and girls and really what they're doing. And Josh, an incredible weekend and uh, one of many wins for San Houston golf this offseason and one of two just this weekend. Oh, my goodness. It has been a fantastic summer. And it's not just the guys. The ladies are doing it as well. Uh, Jen Erps was the WAPT Heritage Classic. Ben, she shot eight under for the week. Now, I, I just want to say she shot a 72, 73, a 66, and a 69. Mm -hmm. Okay? This is how good of a golfer that I am. <laughs> you could combine any two of those numbers of those four rounds, and you're probably under what I would shoot for one. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. what she does, man, she's won the series point race. She's got an exemption into the Epson tour. Man, that's some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, it, it is. And just an incredible weekend. And like I said, one of two victories this weekend, one on the men's, one on the women's side. And 
the women's team won the WAC this last year is returning a lot of their top talent from last year. And it's just going to continue to be a team to really watch this year. Um, and they just actually added Leah Alberto to their staff this last week. And she's a former uh, Bearcat, um, holds a lot of accolades. I believe she was a conference player of the year or a conference champion at one point. And so just love the culture that has really been set within that program and um, the accomplishments they have. And it's such a fun team to root for. I mean, I, I never really watched college golf before I started covering these teams but man when they get in these tournaments I mean you're glued to golf stat and refreshing every two seconds because these teams are fun to watch and they win a lot and it's a lot of fun we want to give them some love it's almost like I I, I equate it to the Ryder Cup just mm -hmm. all the time right because they are competing and it is a team event most of the time they, they do compete as individuals as well but it that is I think Ryder Cup, if you want to look at professionally, may be the closest uh, comparison to what the college golf is like. Yeah, team event, and it really takes everybody. Um, I know there was a an event this last year where I think Josh German was our number four who won this last weekend, and he put up like the low score of everybody, of every team, and whatever, whatever event that was. So it, it takes everybody, and um, it's a team that's built on depth. I mean, there's a lot of people. I feel like there's every, every week somebody else is winning an individual title or um, competing at a very high level. And so if you haven't followed these teams, I really encourage you to. Um, Brent Kieschnick and Jenna Young, Lake LaRue, and now Leo Alberto, they do an incredible job, and um, they've won a lot, and I don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Okay, now I'm going to show some of my ignorance because I am not as connected uh, to Sam Houston with some of this. But the name Kieschnick rings a bell for a Texas Longhorns fan. Is there any relation to the former to the former Texas great uh, Brooks Kieschnick? Let me let me look. Now, um, for those who might not remember, because you're I don't know younger than me by quite a bit, Brooks Kieschnick was a pitcher dh first baseman i think he played outfield some too for the texas longhorns and, and there's one game that he threw in the college world series i remember it was 150 or 160 pitches it was insane he was such a good competitor yeah I, i'm looking at his bio here and i'm having to scroll for a whole 10 seconds to get to the bottom of it because that's just how much brent kishnick has won individually and as a coach but yeah not seeing anything on brooks but if you ever want to read a novel on how to win in golf, I would go recommend checking out his coaching summary on the website because this will keep you occupied for a while. There's a lot of winning going on. <laughs> well, it did. You know, let's get into some of the winning they've done just this summer. Uh, we, we've talked about the Met Am, right? For, mm -hmm. for John, you got the Texas Am, the Danish Am, and the Moroccan mm -hmm. Am. This is an international yeah. golf. We're just beating up the whole world now, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned some of the other men's winners. I know Christopher Max, I think he won the Danish one. We had the Moroccan winner. Name is slipping me at this uh, at the moment. But yeah, lots, lots of winning this summer. And I expect it to go go forward. And like I said, this is a team that um, just two years ago finished ninth in the entire country um, for golf. And so it's one of the best teams in the country. They consistently beat top teams in the country. And it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Well, I am looking forward to it as well. Uh, it is uh, it is fun. It is a a it's winning titles is hard. We have seen that. But if you want to talk about where the the cats, let let's talk about that for a second, Ben. My goodness, 
is golf, since we're talking about golf, is golf the sport that is best prepared to compete for a Conference USA championship? And I was going to bring up that point. I think the reason that Sam Houston has been so successful at golf over the past decade or so since Brant got there is because of the facilities. Um, I'm, I think it's called the Steel. I'm trying to look it up now, but their facilities are top notch. And there's a course about five minutes from campus just across the highway. And so um, there's a reason why they've competed at a high level. I think you can attract recruits. Um, it's a really, obviously Texas has a lot of golf and that's part of it, but you have some really nice facilities you can show off and you've got a course right there pretty much on campus. Um, and so I think they're ready to compete. And I know we've talked a lot about how Conference USA is going to elevate these teams. And if you elevate this golf program even more, I mean, they could be competing for national titles. I mean, finishing the top 20 nationally, uh, top 10 nationally a couple of times. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. The sky is the limit for the golf program and uh mr ben we did it again we did it yep and the the steel golf facility that was yes. the name of it i couldn't remember what was after steel but that's what it is <laughs> steel golf it makes sense right yeah the the steel robert and aaron steel donated the money for it and it is a beautiful facility top top notch that's for sure I, I drove by it actually. So I, I can, I can attest to, I went, I, of course, you know, from what you can see by driving by, I'm, I'm like, man, that's a really nice place. Uh, I'm not, I'm not one that gets on the golf course. Cause when I get out there, it, you know, people get mad when you're taking 180 shots to get through nine holes. <laughs> we got to get home and watch some football. We can't be out here all day. <laughs> like, you don't want to watch me golf, man. It's ugly. <laughs> uh, I'm not much better. <laughs> ben, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate uh, what you're bringing your insight to this program. Absolutely. And as always, eat them up, cats. That's right. <laughs>